Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. to the Gridiron Show and then there were eight. Four teams knocked out this weekend and as is tradition here on the Gridiron Show we will spend our post-wildcard weekend discussing those teams no longer in the playoffs and what their prospects are for next season. We'll look back on an okay wildcard weekend and discuss all the latest news in the NFL including our first head coaching appointments. This is the Gridiron Show. Weirdly camp at the end of that. I was drumming with air drumming with my eyes closed. Uh, less the dancing, more just with the head coach bit. Head coach! Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's rather jaunty. Uh, you are listening to The Gridiron Show, Will and Ollie, proper in studio and like and that. Uh, as always, in association with Touchdown Trips, check them out online, touchdowntrips.com. Go register your interest for our tour next year. I had an email from. Uh, from uh, Ben Mortimer, the head of Touchdown Trips, which I'm going to read you some of, even though it's clearly meant to be a private email uh, designed not for public consumption. Oh, is he okay with this? Uh, Absolutely probably not, but there we go. Absolutely probably not, (laughs) definitely could be. Here we go. Had a meeting today with the UK rep for New Orleans and Louisiana. Lots of people willing to help ensuring this will be an amazing tour. Rough outline at the moment. Full tour, max 10 days, three to four NFL games if schedule allowed, targeting Atlanta, New Orleans, and possibly Nashville. If all of these doesn't work out, there's potential for tagging on Dallas to fly in and out of there. At least one college game. Good chance to be LSU. So we have one night in Baton Rouge. A high school game, again, likely in Baton Rouge. Some fun day trips and excursions, including a swamp tour, a plantation visit, a brewery tour, a distillery tour, and the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta tour will also look to provide as many authentic southern experiences as possible including lovely food and local brews target cost just two thousand pounds per person wow massively down on the cost of last year's tour we're figuring out how it's done and we're bringing it to you for a pretty reasonable rate so save your money now the full announcement will come obviously with the schedule kind of april early may time there will be uh, a situation where you can pay a deposit and then pay the rest of your money off so you have to do it all at once but genuinely it's going to be awesome so register your interest with ben uh, that is at touchdowntrips.com or find them on facebook or twitter touchdown trips we can guarantee the announcing will not be as shambolic as NFL UK and the International Series. Uh, International Series. Or or their announcement of their tour this coming week, where um, they initially sent an email saying that it was happening in December. I'm like, why have you announced the tour 11 months in advance? Then they sent out a second email, not acknowledging the error, just changing it to January and not even acknowledging the first email existed. So is it January next year? No, so it's January this year. It's coming up yeah, next. Yeah. It's coming up next week. Uh, NFL UK are doing a tour. I mean, that sounds uh, familiar. Uh, I mean, we we talk a lot of on here. Um, we were going to take. We were going to do a little tour. 
never materialised because we're both too busy, but... When you're paid by NFL UK, you can go around on tour. Unfortunately, we don't have the likes of Harrison Smith joining us on tour. That's the one player I know they have coming. And they're going to have players from a number of the International Series teams as well. But, um, yeah, the reason we know that, I don't know if you saw it on the Sky coverage on Saturday night, but Jeff, when they were talking about the tour and promoting it and saying where you could apply for tickets and stuff, Jeff went... uh, I'd, like you'll be driving the bus we can't be letting Harrison Smith do it or something like that and Neil Reynolds was visibly like shocked because clearly he wasn't meant to announce anything about any of the people coming on the tour or anything like that yet and Why then he not? covered it he covered it really well well because they won't have had full confirmation from the teams yet it's all like uh, with all of these things you disappoint if you make announcements early and then let people down yeah you're right you're so, right you're right um, they're doing it all very well you're right when you're right, you're right. So, this is the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. We've got the full wildcard weekend to discuss. We will discuss all four games from this weekend. Yes. Even though it was, shall we say, disappointing? Hard watching. It wasn't hard watching. It was fun watching. It was... The worst weekend of playoff football since I started watching NFL. Yeah, it was that. Um, I, yeah, right up there. And I would reel out that stat they kept bringing out on around the NFL, but they said it so many times on that. And I'm sure so many of our listeners listen to that show as well that I'm going to avoid it altogether, but just mention it. What stat's that? Uh, <laughs> I've also just had an email about the uh, a meeting with the venue this afternoon for our Super Bowl party. Sweet. So you can get tickets. Go to our Twitter, Gridiron, at Gridiron on Twitter. We tweet out the link from there. Or go to gridiron-magazine.com forward slash Super Bowl LI. £10 a ticket. We're doing lots of group deals and group bowling deals as well. Tickets are probably a third sold, maybe a little more than that. Uh, we've sold most of the VIP packages as well, already as well. Uh, we'll have the game on four or five big screens, I'm trying to remember, plus lots of other little screens, the bar, everything else, at Bloomsbury Bowlanes in London, right near King's Cross, St Pancras, Euston, around that sort of area. It's going to be a great night. Join us. It, it really, it really will be. We've done well, it. I say, join us. We're not going to be. There, Is it the th- third year that we've been doing? Fourth. It? The fourth year that we'll be doing a Super Bowl party. Yeah. And this will be our fifth party then, because we did the International Series end of year party, which also was a roaring success. And they just keep getting better. They just keep getting better. Uh, so, let's get on to the matters at hand. Ollie Hunter, how are you? Groovy, yeah, yeah. Groovy, yeah, absolutely groovy. Uh, yourself, Will Gavin? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Anything interesting happen at work today? Oh, I don't know. Did something interesting happen at work today? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on this new shift at work, which finished, which starts really early and finishes at like 10 a.m. But so I was looking dishevelled. I hadn't worn a shirt today. I didn't bother doing my hair. What you came in? As Without normal. a t-shirt. Uh, yeah, no t-shirt. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just came in. Like, oh, my God, can you imagine that? Moves out. out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, about 20 past eight, somebody came into me and went, oh, do you want to interview Chris Eubank, senior so and junior? Can you do junior? his voice? Uh, what, Sam Ellard's voice? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, can, can, I was like, so I was given eight minutes notice to interview the Chris Eubanks. It was a fine interview. It was pretty good overall. <laughs> Chris Eubanks. <laughs> I kept calling them Eubanks Senior and Junior uh, joining us in the studio. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris Eubanks Senior refers to his son as Junior at all time. A little bit like in The Last Crusade, the way that Sean Connery refers to Indiana Jones throughout. And I'm not going to lie, I would have found it a bit condescending if I was Chris Eubank Junior. 
Does he refer to his dad as senior? No. No, I mean, he should do. He calls him dad. Just call him senior. Pops. He didn't call him pops, but he should. Uh, But yeah, the end of the interview. So I asked them about James DeGale. Just the general chat about... Who's James DeGale? uh, I'm asking for those that don't know. James DeGale is the I... No, IBO, IBF. He's one of the super middleweight world champions. Yeah. And, um, He's a boxer. Another boxer. Yeah. And uh, That's all I want. Chris Eubank Jr. is fighting for one of the other super middleweight titles, one of the lower ones, in February. So I asked them about a fight between them. And they answered it, and we talked about it, and it was fine. And then I just asked them about the tickets for this fight coming up in February. I moved it on to finish the interview off. And then just as Chris Eubank Sr. went to finish it, he went... He just... He finished halfway through his sentence. He just went, actually... Not about the tickets. I've been thinking again about James DeGale. Not about the tickets. Not about, think- I can't do the voice, I've so I'm not going to try. thinking again about James DeGale. I don't know what that is. That's my quiz your bank. <laughs> it's not great. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> Having sat in both the room with him and you today, it's not great. Anyway, that Sorry. was a bit triple B, I apologise. Uh, yeah, he turned well, and he decided he was going to... Um, he decided he was going to uh, answer the, the James DeGale question again. But he went, actually, thinking about James DeGale. <laughs> I don't know yours is worse. It's worse. It's definitely worse. Um, and, and then he decided to address James DeGale directly. But instead of addressing James DeGale directly because he wasn't in the room, he stared at me, pointed at me and went, you're on notice, young man. We're coming after you. Can you do the accent? <laughs> do it. Do, do, I, I, I paraphrase. Junior is coming after you, and I am behind him, and ITV, and it was terrifying. <laughs> and Both, ITV, and ITV, yeah, <laughs> ludicrous. But it was actually genuinely like Chris Eubank is not a man I've ever taken hugely seriously in my life. But for a moment, I was like, "Whoa, that is a <laughs> oh, former world champion boxer <laughs> essentially threatening me." Um, yeah, okay. so that was a bit weird. Nice, great work. <laughs> should, we, should, we, should we talk about football? <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, brilliant. So uh, I'm just replying to this email. If that still works for you, yes! Exclamation mark. Send. Bang. Um, Whoa. Should we start off talking about the news that isn't around the weekend's games? Yes. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the first of the six head coachless teams to be no longer head coachless. I'm sure there was a better way of saying that. As they decide to hire assistant head coach and former Buffalo Bills head coach Doug Marone to take over the job. It seemed likely after he took over as interim. But the team also hired Tom Coughlin, their first ever head coach from 1995, as the team's executive vice president of football. And they extended uh, Dave Caldwell's contract for three years. So all three are contracted through to 2019. Uh, big, the, the, the kind of the situation as far as I see this one is Marone is a slightly uninspiring hire if you don't have Coughlin there as well. But Coughlin adds something just a little bit extra to it, adds, adds that little extra wrinkle, which makes it much, much more interesting because he, first of all, we had the Blake Bortles issue last year one thing that Coughlin managed to do was turn Eli Manning around after a terrible rookie season and saying it wasn't a rookie year but he is a man who it's not what he's known for but he is very good at working with quarterbacks and getting the best out of average quarterbacks like Eli Manning he's obviously had the success three Super Bowl wins two of them as a head coach and and uh, keeping Dave Caldwell as well and getting that new brain trust together 
would I, I think the only big thing for me is I'd like to have seen a, a hire with a bit more of an, a, an offensive mind to it, somebody who is maybe a bit more quarterback-based. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how they move over the next few days. Is Greg Olsen going to remain there as the offensive coordinator, um, or will he be moved on? Will they find somebody else to come in? Uh, overall, I'm kind of okay with it. Okay. But do, is it is it ambitious enough, or do they just need a bit of stability, or... What do you make of Coughlin coming back? Could he end up being the one that calls the shots? I don't know. I don't think Coughlin will call the shots. I think at his age, he's he quite happy to move into that exec role. And it, it, that makes the that pleases the fan base. Under Coughlin, they did have success. They did go on playoff runs in the early part. He was there from 95 to 2002, I want to say. Off the top of my head, I could probably research it on the internet, but the Wi-Fi in here is so terrible that I don't trust it coming through before the end of the show. Um, so, yeah, all in all, I, yes, they could have been more ambitious, but I think with five other teams looking at head coaches in splashier uh, markets with better rosters in terms of Denver, I think it was kind of a sensible move. There, there was an element with it of... Gus Bradley, it was starting to work towards the end, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, you know, very towards the end of last season, there was some hope, and I know we had that last year, and it didn't pan out. But I just think it's it's the kind of ship steadying and the kind of thing that they want to to continue to build in the right way. But the next two seasons are going to be absolutely vital. Can they turn that young roster into a playoff team? And we saw a bit of inventiveness and. Bortles looking like he's enjoying playing football again in those last two games after Gus Bradley was fired. So, yeah, it looks like it's a move in the right direction. It's a small step as far as I can see rather than the giant leap. But, yeah, I like it. Let's. It's a wait and see, really, isn't it? It is. It is. The only other bit of news coming out that wasn't really about one of the playoff teams, as we'll get to all of those as well, and this was about a playoff game, but the NFL have announced they're going to review the concussion protocol after the Matt Moore hit. Matt Moore missed just one play after getting absolutely obliterated by (laughs) Alvin Bud Dupree in the first half of that rather lopsided 30-12 to loss. Uh, The NFL has initiated a review of the concussion protocol after the hit under the procedure approved by the collective bargaining agreement in consultation with the NFLPA. They'll review the video relative documents and interview the involved parties and determine whether the protocol was properly followed. But also, as it's the off-season, they can sit and actually review the protocol overall. If it was followed properly maybe they need to consider reassessing it and and making some tweaks and changes it's all positive um it was a bad hit it was late it was hard it was to the head a lot of people we're going to discuss the Jordy Nelson hit as well and I think you have to take both of them in the context of watching it at full speed I think when we have the 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 pleasure I was going to say that's not what I want to say the privilege of watching it back in slow motion many many times it looks worse and worse and worse every time but I did feel with the Dupree one that you could see he was going to throw the ball and he he had two or three steps in order to at least slow himself up uh, or raise his head so it would he would still hit him but it would have been as brutal um, and I feel he didn't do that and so that's why I, I think it was an illegal hit and amazingly, not only did it not draw a flag, but Jay Ajayi, in sticking up for his quarterback and having a go at the officials for not throwing a flag, managed to draw a 15-yard penalty and they went back to first and 25. Well, the Ajayi one was was pushing Dupree. He pushed him. And it was 
uh, it went back, and I think it ended up being yeah, the first and twenty five. It was those offsetting rules are absolutely ridiculous. That probably more so than almost as much so as the concussion protocol needs to be looked at because th- that kind of thing's ridiculous. Matt Moore did say that he wasn't knocked out, and it was a, a blow to the jaw. I don't know if anyone's ever been punched in the face. You can't. Sometimes you don't get knocked out if you get hit on the jaw. Um, I've that's happened to me. Yeah, it <laughs> tends to be crown of the helmet. It tends to be that kind of area where it's Temple, particularly bad. You know that that kind of area. Th- Moore just said I needed a bit of time to recover from it. I think also um, it, he didn't know what was necessarily happening off the ball as well with with JJ. I, it was it was called really well. I think it, was it Phil Sims. Uh, that was on the um, was the colour commentator for that game, and uh, he said, "Anyone that knows football knows that that was a big hit." And as, when he saw it happen in real time, I just went, "Oh, whoa!" Because the, the way cameras are, uh, they follow the ball, and you didn't really get to see the hit totally. You just knew just catch it, it as it comes off camera and see him getting obliterated you knew it was just a gargantuan hit great hit though bud well done son uh before we get to the four games then and, and the teams eliminated this weekend a few questions in on twitter uh, c leddington asked if the t- uh, this is just a general question do the teams need permission to interview coaches from a current team or are they free to interview as long as it's within a non-playing week uh it's just a that's such a simple question to answer the rule is and i actually need to check if this has changed this certainly was the rule in the past if it's a if it's a promotion, if it's a coordinator and they're being interviewed for a head coaching job, a position coach, coordinator job, etc., then the team cannot refuse permission because unless they're going to offer them the same job within their um, within their same organisation, it's a move upwards for the person. They cannot refuse permission as long as they're no longer playing football. Um, it's when it's a sideways move that they can start refusing permission. And there was there was one this off-season. I actually don't remember who it was, but somebody has refused a team permission to speak with their coach because they were going from a special teams coordinator to an offensive coordinator role or something like that. And they're like, both coordinator roles, we don't have to let you talk to him. Uh, I can't remember who it was now, so I'm going to look it up while we're talking. But uh, yeah, so that's just to simply answer Mr. Lennington's question. Well answered. Uh, before we get to the games themselves, uh, obviously, as we've all seen, all the home teams won. Uh, Ross Henderson asked, does this show the importance of home field advantage or is it simply a case of the best four teams winning this weekend? And on the same thought, Graham Hackney tweeted, should lower ranked teams take the seed of, a, of any higher ranked teams that they beat? Uh, GB beat Dallas and therefore became the number... Right, that wasn't the question I was expecting. That's become a lot more confusing. Graham, that's too confusing. It should be about record. When I first glanced at that question, what I thought it was going to be was about home seeding for the playoffs. Because we stood on this uh, particular pulpit before and banged the drum and got on the soapbox and every other cliche I can think of. You shouldn't get a home game just because you've won your division. It should be done on record. Yeah. I think the the, the Texans-Raiders game would have been far closer if it was being played at the Coliseum. Yeah, far closer. I still think, actually, the Texans probably would have won, but it would have been a closer, better game. Uh, By the the way, I think... uh, Did you pick all four games right this weekend? Yes. Did did I pick all four games right this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Did Matt Sherry? No, 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 he didn't. Do you remember which one he got wrong? And if he placed a wager 
on I, it, I think he might have done. Was it the last game of the weekend where the Green Bay Packers hammered the Giants 38 points to 13? Uh, I promised Ollie he'd get a bit of fanfare for that, and he's literally jumped out of his seat, although, actually, I couldn't tell the difference that much between you sitting down and standing up. No, then. fair enough. Um, I bet <laughs> Matt Sherry f- that uh, Green Bay would win by at least two touchdowns. That's 14 points. What? How many, how many was it? Twenty-five. It was. It was what? Twenty. That, that, that's three touchdowns. Yeah. Well, it's three touchdowns, a field goal, and uh, and um, half a safety. Half a safety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or just one of the touchdowns going for two. That that also would have worked. That was. Uh, Will just giggled at me doing <laughs> half the <laughs> half the safety um, uh, signs because you really went for it with one hand. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> uh, that's superb so uh yes to answer your questions uh home team home advantage is massive and it should be given to the seeded team but ross last year every single away side visiting team won so you know don't read too much into it i think actually i think if it's broken down i saw um <laughs> what <laughs> why are you laughing at me <laughs> Uh, um, we are on. So I'm really sorry. We're on a a, a work WhatsApp group uh, for TS2 lads. Hashtag uh, office gossip. Uh, hashtag office gossip. And Ollie came into the studio today to find the Twitter account of Guy Clark. Uh, oh, still yeah. logged in. Guy Clark's a guy we work with. He's a commentator uh, for Preston North End. He's done some stuff for Talksport, and he's a producer here as well. Uh, you tweeted from his account some. Uh, some, uh, uh, I think there was some pro Preston anti Arsenal stuff because he's an Arsenal fan, but they played Preston this weekend. Yep. And some there was, pro Spurs stuff. Oh, and, some, and I'd like to go see Spurs play, etc. Uh, he's just sent a message to the group whoever is tweeting off my account, comma, stop. Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's yeah. not a way to get a reaction, guy. Uh, I think I know exactly what's going to happen now. I'm going to send some fishing emojis in his direction. Although he's then going to think it's me. But do I care? No. no. Thanks for taking the hit, bud. Uh, so <laughs> I think I I think I think saw uh, something about the home field advantage. And I, 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 it doesn't work out as massive as anyone as most people think. Someone did a study of, of various sports... Um, and it works out as something like 52% of home f- wins to away wins. So really it doesn't, it, there isn't that much advantage. Let's talk about the games this weekend then. What we have done is from our Gridiron account at Gridiron, it's actually going to be open for the next 24 hours. So you can go and affect this uh, live as you're listening to the show, as long as it's within 24 hours of now. Uh, we have asked which of the teams eliminated on NFL wildcard weekend is best positioned to make the next step in 2017. And I put, why not reply with why as well? Unsurprisingly, the Saturday evening losers, the Oakland Raiders, absolutely top the poll with 68% of the votes. And just to go through a few of them, Adam Foxcroft, the Raiders, a much better, t- a be- much better team with a fit Derek Carneal, says Raiders for me. Great offensive line, a QB who has gotten better with each season, plus cap space to add to their roster. Tom says Raiders simply because the others have much stiffer divisions to overcome. Matt Wayne, definitely the Raiders, although if the Giants can improve, yada, yada. Tom said that the Raiders, because everybody else has got stiffer division. Stiffer was exactly what he said. So what with the Chiefs, who the Broncos and the and the Broncos and the Chargers. So he says that's stiffer. The, what, that's not as stiff as the other other teams. And uh, yeah, I mean he's looking at the top team in all those because obviously you've got the Cowboys, Patriots, Packers, Man. but. 
I think they're the stronger division top to bottom. Apart from Derek Carr injury and not having the depth at QB, they would have gone to the conference game, says Irish Niner fan. Uh, they lost their mojo in their starting QB. Would have won with Carr not out, says Gridiron Gibber or Jibber. Not really sure. So everyone kind of agreeing. And I think that means we should start with this game. As the... Uh, Oakland Raiders went into NRG Stadium, the home of this season's Super Bowl, and we are one step closer to the New England Patriots going back to the Super Bowl. Sorry, I mean the Houston Texans being the first team to ever uh, play in a host Super Bowl. That's as close as I'm going to get to predicting that's actually going to happen. They ran out 27-14 to winners overall. Uh, Brock Osweiler looked good. Not great, but fine workable at quarterback uh, finally found a connection with DeAndre Hopkins those two had a half decent game between them and on the defensive side of the ball Jadavian Clowney and Whitney Merciless were absolute wrecking machines with Donald Penn out at left tackle Menelik Watson moving from the right to the left had no answer for Clowney whatsoever and uh, the Texans keep rolling yeah I mean it was a, a brilliant performance by Clowney I think in the box score he only had one tackle but when you look at what else he did, he, he had that interception, he hurried the quarterbacks, he, he terrorised that offensive line. And it was a joy to watch him, really. Yeah. I, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. But people that have been Texans fans will, will tell us as well that he's been like that pretty much since J.J. Watt went out. He's really stepped up. He's leading this defense. What you've got as well with with Whitney Merciless on the other side, who was being in the end, he was being double teamed rather than Clowney because he was such a wrecking ball. Uh, you've got Boye in the backfield, who is fast becoming the Malcolm Butler of this season. What a step up he's made this year! Incredible that defense. You know, it, it sneakily became the best defense in the NFL and now we know why but look we're going to speak about the Houston Texans more when it comes to the Patriots next bye week sorry the Texans playing in Foxborough this week the point of today's sorry, podcast mate, that wasn't funny the second time either. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you should just drop it uh, or is there a, is there a third one coming bloody, bloody Patriots bloody Patriots it's, there's That's a third one coming I think there might be let's find out <laughs> <laughs> I don't script them they just they just flow out of yeah, me yeah great comedy <laughs> Uh, I did watch a film about improv the other night. Sorry, stop it. Focus on the podcast. (laughs) Come Um, on, Will. This always happens when you and I get in the studio together. Yeah, so the idea of today's podcast is to look at the teams who have departed the playoffs. And as people are saying, they believe the Raiders have the best chance of returning next year. So the question is, Ollie, what do the Raiders need to do before September in order to ensure that they are Super Bowl bound in 2017? They need to put Derek Carr in an oxygen tent and make sure that he's <laughs> fit and well enough to be starting uh, by September. That's pretty much what they need to do. Um, I think they need to... I think everyone actually needs to upgrade their cornerbacks. Um, I, I think that is always a, an issue. Uh, I think they also need to have a look at their running backs and, and almost decide which one could be the bell cow, which one... Um, because it's a, it's a running back by a triple committee at the moment with Washington, um, uh, what's his face, the one that, the guy that you don't like, 
Number 28, Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray. Yeah, and then... I don't dislike him. I just don't rate, rate him as a... He's a starting running back in the NFL. You told me you didn't like he's him. He's not a top 20 running back in the <laughs> yeah. NFL. Yeah. If he wasn't behind that Raiders line, he would not look good. There's Richard as well. Actually, I really like Richard. I thought he played really nicely. Okay, he had that fumble on one of the uh, punt returns, but I really like how they try and get him into the game as much pos- as possible. It may be even promoting him to being the number one running back at, 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 as the Raiders. The, the, uh, the first thing, the first point you brought up there in the secondary in terms of their corners, they invested big there. Let's not forget they brought in Reggie Nelson at free safety, uh, Carl Joseph they took in the first round, and then you've got David Amerson and Sean Smith on the outside, all of whom would expect to be decent level, but they gave up the most plays over 25 yards of any team in the NFL passing plays wise um, massive disappointment and uh, Ken Norton his future at this point is still far from guaranteed Jack Del Rio said that they're going to see what the future holds I mean you've got um, uh, the fellow who's just been run out of town in Buffalo who two years ago were uh, uh, Buffalo well Rex Ryan that, I mean that is someone who you could bring as a defensive coordinator <laughs> yeah, yeah. that is not who I meant though <laughs> I meant the Browns defensive coordinator uh, who they've just uh, got rid of Ray Horton who we kind of forget that a couple of years ago he was one of the most touted guys in the league and he could be an interesting pick possibly what about Gus Bradley Gus Bradley uh, is defensive coordinator back at the Raiders. And interestingly, I'm trying to think how well he'd fit that scheme. Cause it, uh, We've got a couple of Seahawks players in there as well. The safety, the safety position would be the concern for me because they don't have an Earl Thomas type guy. But um, well, the, Someone that they could draft. The, the, the big one for me is linebacker. There's, there's absolutely no pass rush outside of Khalil Mack on that team. Bruce Irvin started to show some real flashes towards the end of the season, but... That was so much to do with teams having to double-team Khalil Mack and leave him in single-team and leave him up against the weaker side of the tackles, etc., etc., that he he was benefiting more from Khalil Mack than anything else. Don't get me wrong, he's a good player, Bruce Irvin. But Malcolm Smith's a free agent um, and generally a bit of a letdown, really. Perry Riley was a stopgap solution uh, at linebacker and... and they're picking number 24 overall now i i don't know a huge amount about the um about the draft so far this year i need to look into it but there are apparently three or four decent middle linebackers coming out in this draft similar to a couple of years ago um so i think that would be for me where the raiders need to focus definitely on the defensive side of the ball and maybe get a bit younger on the offensive line because even though they were really good this year donald penn that injury just shows that there's a lack of depth and that they are quite old there. Mm. Uh, they went and spent big on Kalechi Assembly. They spend more on the offensive line in terms of percentage of their cap than any other team in the NFL. But maybe time to address those offensive tackle spots. Yeah. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Menlik Watson goes this offseason. I think another team would pick him up, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone. Also, I think uh, Clive Wolford and Michael Rivera aren't good enough tight ends so oh, we're going to be talking tight ends as this show goes on trust me and let's look more at, at that for as for Derek Carr Derek Carr because when you you're relying when Connor Cook was relying on Santonio is it Santon no Andre Holmes uh, to to catch balls because Crabtree and Cooper Crabtree went out but both of them were dropping balls left right and center uh, throughout that entire game until they decided to bring in Holmes an, an extra weapon on the offensive line that can block as well would be a good idea. Let's move on and talk about the next game. Should we just do it chronologically through the weekend? 
Or should we do it AFC then NFC? Uh, I am more than happy to do it either way because, to be honest, the only game I want to talk about in any real depth is the Giants-Packers game. The rest of them, I'm... Well, let's leave that till last. The, let's, <laughs> let's do the rest of them. I'm quite happy to glance over. So, well, wh- whichever one you prefer, Mon the, the Miami uh, Steelers, Miami D- Pittsburgh, the but... Miami Steelers, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, the Miami Dolphins against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The, uh, uh, I'm going to say this early in this. I think the score flatters Pittsburgh. And not... People are going to think that they're going to spit their tea out at the radio after I say that, but or, no one's listening to this on a radio, but you know what I mean. They're, the bulk of their points... 20 Does anyone of, listen to this drinking tea? Who knows? <laughs> 20 of their... So. If you're li- drinking tea, listen to this, tweet us. 20 of their 30 points came in the first three drives of the game. And yes, they were two ludicrous Antonio Brown plays. And yes, they had that ridiculous drive where they gave the ball to Le'Veon Bell 10 consecutive times to score that next touchdown, which put them really in control of the game. But the, the Steelers overall after that relied massively on the defensive side of the ball and we've we've said it we said it last week they are the most improving defense in the league they're looking better and better the rookies look fantastic in there but i do think of all the score lines this weekend beyond the packers giants which was slightly flattering it was a bit flattering i agree with you however to the untra- i'd say the untrained eye in um i'm trying to be kind to the people at work <laughs> who um who I spoke to yesterday, I think three or four people plus Sam Matterface on Twitter, all of them said that the Dolphins were absolutely horrendous. A terrible football team. Now, if you look at that first quarter, they don't they didn't look great, but that's because Antonio Brown and Lev Bell were insane. But other than that, I don't think the Dolphins played that badly. If you look at Matt Moore he had and uh, I bagged him at the beginning at uh, in the preview pod. Bagged him hard. I bagged him hard, but I'm going to reverse because beep, Ooh. Beep, Ooh. I thought he had a good game. He had the, the his uh, completions were good. I think he threw for uh, just over or just under 300 yards. The two forced the two forced fumbles were blindside um, uh, blindside that hits. They were, so that they th- were. Th- th- that's not really on him. I think one of his interceptions or maybe two of them were, were tipped. The other one where he was just forcing it trying to make a play because his team went down. I don't think he played that badly. Yeah. I I I think I think you're right. I think there are issues with that uh, offensive line still even though we liked uh, I think the thing is you've got Laramie Tunsil's come in this yeah. year, moved inside to left guard and looked good, but Brandon Albert looked really exposed against the Steelers, and they're not a, a great pass rushing team necessarily the Steelers. It's not with their the area. They do a lot of disguises, they do a lot of uh, yeah, disguised blitz. They do a lot of disguised coverages. It's a lot of confusing the quarterback to get the turnovers, to get the pressure on them. And Brandon Albert was exposed a number of times at the weekend. And actually, Jay Ajayi really struggled behind that line. And I don't think that's because Jay Ajayi is not a good running back. I think he's shown the health now that he could be a, a, a good running back going forward. I, I'm going to sound like a broken record when we talk about this. And I wonder if anyone's picked the Miami Dolphins uh, oh, someone said clearly the Raiders, as with Fit Car, they were potential Super Bowl contenders. Next up would be the Dolphins. There you go. So someone did pick them. Well, I think Mark the Dolphins. Rollins. Um, but I'm going to come back to the same thing I was saying about the Raiders. Linebacker is a concern for me. Kiko Alonso, I actually, I, I like that trade. I've con- continued to like that trade. But with Jelani Jenkins not making it into the team, Donald Bucker, Butler, Spencer Pacing, and Jenkins all on expiring contracts. 
there is some real concern across that three there. And we talked about it going into this game, that that was what the Steelers were going to do. Le'Veon Bell, if he gets to the second level, was going to hurt them. And actually, we saw it a lot from Antonio Brown as well. Short catches, picking up the yardage afterwards. I think they need to improve that second level of their defense in a big way. And I'd expect them to pick two or three players in that position in the draft. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, they were hamstrung by a lot of inactives. I think it was five starters, six starters um, on the defensive side, the Dolphins. So you could see that's where they were horribly exposed in that first quarter. They managed to get it together a bit throughout the rest of the game. Um, Where else would I like them to improve? I I like their receiving core. Uh, You've got Jay Ajayi and Damian Williams as the as the running back tandem and not forgetting Kenyon Drake who was drafted in the third yeah. round this year but a lot of people liked him higher than the third round and still is in there as a good complimentary back there, there's an interesting conversation as well tight ends I think all of these teams except for maybe the Lions with Eric Ebron but we've still not seen him do it consistently could all do with tight ends and again this comes from people who know much more about the college game than I do and haven't looked at it but the I mean the Adam Gase offense needs mismatches that's how it works so a good tight end is important but apparently tight ends this is a really good year for them there could be three go in the first round i think i've seen two of them but i can't remember their names off the top of my head <laughs> oj howard evan engram has been mentioned yeah i, I, I say- think it's oj howard is who i've seen who looked really good um, there's Jake Butt, but he's uh, he's injured his knee in the bowl game, which is another argument for why bowl games could be skipped. So that's uh, tight ends, and there's also court like the, in the secondary with the corners because they've got loads of really good young players uh, to go with Byron Maxwell, who's there till 2020, Xavier Howard, Tony Lippett, Bobby McCain, but maybe another veteran experienced player to add to that core alongside Byron Maxwell would really help them as well it's mostly on the defensive side of the ball though I think yeah yeah yeah. Uh, shall we talk about what was the next game next game Seahawks Lions Seahawks Lions uh, where (laughs) had that amazing experience and I think I heard somebody else uh, I think someone said this on one of the MMQB podcasts but I woke up at the end of this game and I saw that Paul Richardson was trending on Twitter and I thought to myself, oh, he's gone for 200 yards, 10 catches, something like that. No, he had three catches for 48 yards. Pretty average day for who is at this point their number two receiver with, with their other injuries. Except all three of them were what the Americans would describe as circus catches. Were utterly ridiculous. <laughs> they were great catches. Um, there's going to be two plays that we talk about in this. The, the Hail Mary, uh, or the Aaron Rodgers, as they should now be referred to at all times. Um, but also the... Paul Richardson first touchdown catch, which, by the way, terrible throw from Russell Wilson. Yeah. No one will say it, but I will. Um, where he did face mask the defender after he'd already got the ball in his hand. Where I just think the play was so good, the win was so dominant. Why are we even talking about that? He was falling over. He grabbed out. He happened to catch his fingers on the face mask. It wasn't an intentional penalty. I just forget about it. Yeah. Hey, forget about it. I mean, there was the Seahawks got some some good calls elsewhere in this in this game, but that's one that we're not going to particularly mention. Just to kind of talk about the Seahawks' perspective first of all, uh, absolutely massive for them that they got the run game going. Thomas Rawls is not Marshall Lynch, but patient, powerful, 
absolutely pulled that Lions defence apart. We, we look forward to the Falcons game later in the week. There's a real potential of this being a shootout. But actually, somebody tweeted us asking about the uh, Seahawks offensive line. And I have to say, um, Seahawks probably had the um had the best the, the, the best game i've seen them have all season maybe well that's what pete carroll said after the the game in his post-match press conference he said this is the best that we've played everything came together defense offensive line offense everything came to special teams he, he really praised the special teams for some reason everything came together and it was a dominant performance however it was nick dunkison by the way wasn't it weird that the seattle o-line kind of blocked well well yeah it, 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 it was weird but they're up against the lions who barely have a pass rush um next week they get the man the sack leader in the nfl vic beasley baby love vic beasley vic beasley could cause some real issue to the left hand side of that line so i think we have to take this result with a pinch of salt i don't think the lion matt stafford uh, clearly struggling with that finger injury, clearly struggling elsewhere, uh, not being able to find his receivers. Anquan Bolden making a couple of ridiculous, causing a couple of ridiculous penalties, which really set them back just as they were starting to get on a roll as well. I think it was a game too far for the Lions. They'd lost four in a row. This was four in a row. With both of these NFC games and both these NFC North teams, we talked about two or three things they had to do to nail this game. And Packers coming up, they did all three things we mentioned. In fact, I was feeling pretty smug about it when I was watching the game on Sunday night. Not as smug as you were, obviously. The Lions did nothing they needed to do. They didn't get the Eric Ebron matchups that they needed. They didn't get the protection on Stafford that they needed. The front four, the pass rushers in Seattle haven't been good in recent weeks. Like, genuinely, the weakest I've seen them play in the past four seasons. And they are... One of my favourite units in the whole of the NFL. Michael Bennett is right up there as my favourite defensive end in the NFL. But they have struggled in that front four, front five with Wagner coming through as well. Don't know what I did with the German V there. Wagner. Wagner. Um, but it all came together for the Seahawks. It all fell apart for the Lions. Might not have been the biggest margin of victory this weekend, but this was the most dominant win of the weekend. It's just whether the Seahawks are going to then fall apart having to now play two really good teams in the next two weeks because Falcons on the road followed by whoever they get in the championship game if they get past the Falcons those are two very tough games do you think the Seahawks were holding anything back I don't think they can I, I genuinely without Earl Thomas in there there may be later in the game they, they took the foot off the gas a little bit but I think they wanted rules to go out there and have as big a game as possible that's why they were running the ball to prove that you know having done nothing running the ball in the past four weeks before this week they needed to so I think they did leave it on the field but that's the Seahawks do that week in week out if there's yeah. one thing I do like about this team it's that there's always constant commitment I did get called out on Twitter uh, when I tweeted about the Russell Wilson throw being terrible being like oh man you're always slagging off the Seahawks I'm like yeah someone yeah. said that we have an agenda against the Seahawks but it's yeah, actually I think it was that guy it I basically call them called them streaky because leading up until this game where they've decided to actually play they were streaky so lions did anyone say lions to our poll only three percent of people tweeted for only three percent of people answered lions i suspect they were just trolling the poll and um nobody has answered to it in the response giants have had a little bump up they're at 21 percent now dolphins at eight raiders 68 percent still um so yeah what the lions the first thing the lions need to not do is fire jim caldwell 
Okay, a lot of people are saying fire Jim Caldwell. So why should the Lions not fire Jim Caldwell? Because Jim Caldwell has taken a pretty bad Lions team to the playoffs twice in three years. He's won a Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator. He took the Colts to a Super Bowl. Every time with a roster that wasn't really worthy of being where they were. I mean, he was responsible for that Joe Flacco ridiculous postseason, oh, excuse me, postseason performance that led to the Super Bowl win over the 49ers. And I think he needs time to continue to build from where they are now. I could see them maybe getting rid of him if it meant keeping Jim Bob Cooter in a Falcon slash Bucks esque. We want to keep... Uh, well, yeah, it was Bucks in particular, wasn't it, who did it this year. We want to keep our coordinator. He's going to go get a head coach job, so we'll give him ours. Because Kuta really is the hot ticket in town. But this Lions team had a, a fully fit Matt Stafford. If this Lions team had played this Seahawks team four weeks ago, before the Lions went on this horrible run, could they have gone in and won in the clink? Absolutely. They just had a horrible run to end the season, particularly after Stafford's injury, particularly with the injuries they had to the secondary. I would keep him around. I think he is a coach who wins. The media don't like him, and maybe that's something to do with it. But they need to... Offensively, they need a tight end. I'm going to say this about every single team. They need a tight end Hmm. because there's good tight ends in the draft and they need a tight end. Um, The running back situation is a bit of a mess. The offensive line situation, what they've kind of done there is put together a, a, a really a really good young core, but they haven't quite come together yet. And they're one of those ones that you could see maybe in two years' time not being the same level as the, uh, as the, um, as the Cowboys, but being a really good top-level line. Taylor Decker had a really big step up this year. Larry Warford, I thought, was good this year. Travis Swanson. So they've got good guys in there. Running back would definitely be a thought for me. But again, it's the defensive side of the ball. So many injuries. Linebackers all over the shop. Even when DeAndre Levy came back from that long-term mm. injury. Defensive line help would be great after they lost all their wreckers in the interior two years ago and haven't been able to replace them. They're probably the, the most needy team of the, of the four that have gone out, I think. So you're saying getting to the playoffs was lucky? To an extent. I mean, it's always going to be lucky when you've had eight comeback drives in a season. That was, as we said last week, three more than any other quarterback in the playoffs. Mm. You have to think that in any other given season, four of those might not have come off and you'd have a losing record. So, yes, lucky to an extent, but there is enough talent, enough young talent there. Matt Stafford has enough years left and they proved they could do it without Calvin Johnson. Well, they could actually, do you know what they really could do with it? If there's one at pick 21 when they're picking. Big receiver. If there's a really good yeah. number one star receiver, because what Jones and Tate proved this year in our argument and our wager over them is they're both number twos. <laughs> do you know what? We both lose that. I think that we both lose a bit, that. Don't Let's we? buy each other a beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> That's what just going around system. So essentially, they, they need a lot. I think they could do with a running back, a wide receiver, a couple of linebackers, a defensive lineman. Maybe a corner. <laughs> Listen, I know we need to crack on, but who's the better team despite the Lions going to the playoffs? The Lions or the Bucks? The Bucks. The Lions. Oh, we're playing a name game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the Lions or Washington? Washington slightly. 
But if they lose some of that uh, offensive coordinator magic from Sean McVay, that could be a concern, even though Gruden's a good offensive mind. The Lions or the Panthers? Battle of the Cats. Oh, well, I, I mean, the Panthers, I don't buy the... I think this season... I think the Panthers still... Sl- I, if I had to start with a roster today, I'd take Cam Newton over Matt Stafford. <coughs> Even though I think, and, and they acknowledged it, that they need to they need to Ben Roethlisberger in. They need to get him more mm. contained in the pocket. They need offensive line help. But that's the thing. If the Lions' offensive line improve in the way I think they can for next year, that one is really borderline. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. That was a good game. I think there's a few more you could have thrown in well, there. Well, no, I'm ju- I was just going AFC, uh, NFC, sorry. So Vikings? I didn't want to... Vikings? Who's... Vikings. 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 So, this, I mean... There are four, five teams Vikings. there. Vikings. Five teams. The last eight words I've said have been the word Vikings. The Saints. They beat the, the Lions. Beat the Saints. The Lions are a better team than the Saints. So that's where it, that's where we are. Yeah, the Lions. Uh, yeah, probably about the tenth best team in the NFC, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> they, they made the uh, they made the playoffs. Oh, there we go. Sorry, Lions fans. I at, feel like at I, Will Gav. I feel like I've let you down <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, so the the hipster second choice pick for our which of the teams have a chance of next year are the New York Giants. Giants have the weapons, just need a running back with the dropping running back heavy. Should pick up a decent one, says Chris Bailey. Stehor, if the Giants can get a bit better on offense, they really need a top tight end to play McAdoo's system. Them. They could be Super Bowl contenders, say Steve Hall. Mm. The Giants are loaded with talent and have two a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback and Odell Beckham will be out to prove it after you know wall punch gate. Um, by the <laughs> way, uh, by the way, there's a mode of transport we've not mentioned at any point in this podcast, and we're going to continue to not mention it if you don't mind. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. Fine, understood. Because uh, did you because see? Because just to give my very, very brief thoughts on that. It was seven days beforehand. It meant literally nothing. And Odell Beckham said in his post-game press conference, I didn't drop a pass all week. I just had a terrible day today. It meant nothing. Yep. I'm done. Okay, man. I'm, I, I'm genuinely angry about the way that the American media have covered it. Do you know something? I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> Good. I, I completely... Uh, for some reason, it totally passed me by this whole week. And then they kept mentioning it on the broadcast and I was like what what's this all about yeah so just get over it guys it's grown men having a beer Thomas Willoughby says voted Giants feel like their defence is a top five unit in the league this uh, only so long their offence can be that inept which Nick has then said swap the offence and the defence and you've suddenly described the Raiders um who uh, let's talk about the game first because you want to talk about the game I want you to talk about the game okay this because it was a great game! The It wasn't a great game. It was the, a great uh, it, two, no, and a, two and a quarter quarters. I thought it was a great game overall. I really enjoyed it. Um, the, the Giants, mainly because it won me 50 quid. The Giants... Oh, nice. Uh, it won I, me I, a, I bet it, on all four home teams. It, it won me a steak dinner. Which, if you... If you can make that about 50 quid. Yep. If you push it. Yeah, uh, I'm going to... 42-ounce ribeye mother trucker. <laughs> uh, the defence absolutely dominated the first quarter and a half for the Giants. Um... Do you know what? I never really lost faith. They were held to negative yardage. Uh, I think they punted the first five drives, the Packers, which nobody's done in the playoffs in 18 years or something. Um, Some nonsense stats. There are so many spurious stats, aren't there? There was one I heard that... um, Who was it? We are a sport of of spurious stats. One of the teams had three (laughs) wide receivers for the first time in their history go over 700 yards in the regular season. (laughs) 
<laughs> Who cares? Uh, yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, but at six nothing up, they the Giants were looking good. They weren't getting it going on offense enough. They weren't taking advantage of their opportunities. Yep. They were dropping balls left, right, and center. Odell Beckham dropped three uh, catches. They dropped two possible touchdown, touchdown catches on the same drive. It was pretty much the same play, actually, but with different receivers. Yeah, with Beckham and Sterling. Um, you know, the Giants put themselves in a tough position, but the game turned with uh, a Julius Peppers sack halfway through the second quarter when it, he just exploded past the left tackle, made him look like an absolute turnstile. Eric Flowers took down Eli Manning. That extra negative yardage meant it was a shorter punt. It was returned. Then there was a beautiful, beautiful touchdown. Uh, it was the first one, Randall Cobb. Was it Devontae Adams? Then three Randall Cobbs after that. But into the back corner of the end zone where Rogers scrambled out and ended up holding the ball for eight seconds. The pass protection was phenomenal, but the pocket presence from Rogers was just unbelievable because everyone was like, ah, yeah, with that offensive line, I could do that. But. He avoided two hits as well, where he ducked under them, still made that throw, allowed his guy to get open. It was ridiculous. And it was then followed up by Hail Mary 3, not long after. And at halftime, it was game over. Now, people keep forgetting the one before Jeff Janice's against Arizona... Was a better throw than the actual Hail Mary. Because, okay, it was... Hail Mary that didn't go for a touchdown. Maybe Hail Marys only have to go for touchdowns to be called Hail Marys, but it was still a massive throw. Wasn't it inside your own it was five own, to be on the fifty? It was inside. Like it was inside. Is the ball was snapped on his five? He went into the end zone, rolled out <laughs> left, threw down the left hand side to about the fifty. So actually, he's done four, but people keep forgetting that. You almost knew that it was going to happen when he when he had that seven seconds left, and you were just like, "It's going to happen! It's going to happen! It's going to be he, a touchdown!" He, here. Ca- he came out to the to the right, and he just set himself, and then he just lobbed it up, man. It's uh, it, the arc of that ball. Now the Lions, de- the Lions defense, the Giants defense have to have their hands held up here. And you have to say... Well, a lot of them did and couldn't, couldn't catch the ball. There may have been a slight push in the back from Randall Cobb at the back of the end zone. But to allow the back person in a Hail Mary situation to be a packer and to have any space at all is bad defending. And a he great had defense. about a metre and a half as well. They made a big, big mistake there and it's not being really talked about. Well, Ryan Peacock says, can you tell let Giants fans that the Randall Cobb that Randall Cobb didn't push off and we soundly beat them anyways. Well, you're right, Ryan. And also, just before that, milliseconds before that, Eli Apple pushed Devontae Adams to try and get the ball. So, come on, guys. Come on, guy. Come on, guy. Uh, So, we talked about, this is where I was going to get really smug. I almost cut the moment from the last podcast where where I turned to you and went, there are three things that the Packers need to do in this game. And because they did all three of them, Aaron Rodgers played out of his skin. They didn't allow Landon Collins to blitz. Now, the Dominic Rodgers Cromarty injury had a huge amount to do with that. Yep. Because he, him going down meant they had to move Eli Apple out of the slot or into the slot, or, you know, the, their whole assignments had to change. To readjust. And Landon Collins had to get in there and, and, and do that. But the other thing they had to do was two deep safeties. Invite the Giants to run on you. They're not going to get past that front four, and they didn't. The run game was anemic. 
the way that and this this leads us in nicely to our what the Giants need to do conversation because the way the Giants currently line up with a simple five offensive linemen with a running back with no real cutting ability and no real open field pace means they really have like two three run plays they can play they can do like a, a power running game they can do a sweep they can maybe do a draw play but there's very very limited yeah. to what you can do with the run game and the Packers read that all day long and had no issue whatsoever with stopping them and they did all three of those things and the second half they just foot on the gas imposed the dominance despite one of the worst coaching decisions mike mccarthy's ever made oh that was incredible and this is funny as well matt uh, sherry said if they lose this game mccarthy should be sacked and i don't think that's actually that bad a call (laughs) however there was someone on twitter who said to steve miranda uh, a guy from Gridiron has just made a ridiculous statement about Matt Sherry about uh, McCarthy being sacked. That's why I don't read British magazines. Oh my god! I mean, come on, loser! What a loser! What an absolute clown! Uh, so yeah, let's talk about what the Giants need then. Um, I th- well, they need they need a defensive end that, that's going to pressure because JPP has decided that he's not going to extend his his one year contract. He, I th- he I might thought... not stay. He might come back, but that—that's the news that's coming out of New York. At yeah, the I was going to say. I thought he was going to. He was looking to stay, but he was unwilling to sign another one-year deal. So yeah, I—I th- I mean, he, that could be the case. He, he might want two or three years. I'm unsure. His production was way down. I think it was one sack in the last six games. Uh, he, he was inactive for the game against the Packers. But with that production and the amount that he costs, another one-year contract. I'm not sure that the Giants would be able to pay that. And for a guy that's got about one and a half fingers on his hand, who can't tackle, who's got one of those big clubs. And by the way, how many big clubs are there? <laughs> there are a few. So many clubs. There are a few. <laughs> so many clubs. Uh, I don't think they'll get him. So that is a place I, of I, need. But I, offensively, you're right. They need a running back and they need a tight end. They, they, they need a tight end. Everyone needs a bloody tight end. They need a tight end who can both block and catch the ball. And Ben McAdoo's system is desperate for a tight end to offer a bigger body and a short yardage guy who Eli can go to in, in relief almost more than anything else. You had Will Ty, that one play that he had during the game uh, where he went for, what, 30-odd yards? 33 yards down, down the middle. And people went, oh, look, it shows you what he could possibly do. For me, I looked at it and went, no, what that shows me is what if you had a consistent playmaking tight end, what your offense could do. Because Will Ty is not a man who's making that play three times a game, 16 games a season. He's a guy who's making that play twice a year. 48 catches this year, 8.2 yards per catch average. Not good enough. Will Ty is not the answer there. So, yes, I think they need a tight end and I think they need an offensive tackle. Eric Flowers is dreadful truly dreadful yeah but if they can get a tight end who can block as well if i mean if imagine if you slotted like a travis kelsey into that or a martellus bennett into that giant system a guy that can block is willing to get involved in run play and can catch the ball get yards after the catch be a red zone threat a jason witten on top a jason witten would be an absolute delight <laughs> but on top of shepherd beckham victor cruz is your third option it's sexy yeah. It's, it would be real sexy. Uh, the, the, Ross King, who who caught their touchdown pass as well, um, who quietly had a, a good final few games of the season as, as uh, one of their receiving options. Yeah, the Giants, with all that's going on in that defence, a couple of fixes. 
do we question Eli or or was it just a bad final regular season game and we saw more from him I I mean my Green Bay my kind of feeling on it is that he my feeling on it is that he did have a bad year but that there's still the potential there I mean the, the GM and and both the coach said today that he's on the back nine of his career I think that's a stretch I think he's on the back three of his career that's not a thing obviously but you know what I mean um it makes me believe that they just need well it's it just they need the options so that he can run the ball and he's got a tight end he had to throw so much this season because they didn't have a good run game and i think actually in a well managed offense he still has the brains to be able to do it so yeah i'm not i'm not ready to write him off in any way okay that's thanks. how thanks that's, for that that's my feeling um that's kind of rounded us off we're going to talk about obviously the four teams that have made it through in a lot more depth coming up uh, later in the week and we're going to try and get a couple of guests for that show as well I think to preview the divisional round uh, Simon Clancy was due to come on um, but uh, yeah I didn't even bother contacting him after Miami embarrassed themselves well, because he would have just said no <laughs> Miami no, didn't embarrass he, de- he definitely would have come on but we had to move the time we were doing the podcast to today so uh, it was unfortunate but it didn't come together but we will definitely look to uh, to get him on in the not too distant future Ollie are there any tweets that are non-related to the stuff we've done already that you would like to bring us to round off the show today Neil Dutton says are we absolutely 100% certain that Aaron Rodgers is human we are not uh, also celebrations or heroes uh celebrations but neither if i've got a real preference uh, take quality street over both Ooh, i love a toffee penny toffee penny's great i love the creams i like the the coconut stop one talking about chocolate it's making me okay so want it so just bad. for pe- people to, to know uh the celebrations are the ones from galaxy so mars bounty snickers galaxy why are you going through this people know what we're talking about well no maybe they don't sometimes you you don't know i didn't know i had to check it out all right heroes are the cabris guys guys um, guys dairy milk it's a no it's it's a no-brainer for me they've been ruined ever since the patriots took them over yeah, I would say <laughs> I prefer celebrations because you have the better chocolate bars and also Galaxy Milk Chocolate. I'm not a fan of milk chocolate, but Galaxy Milk Chocolate is better than Cadbury's Milk Chocolate. Fact. Yeah, yeah you uh, are not getting an argument from me on that one. I think that's it. I think. Actually, oh, uh, Tom Light says, can you organize a proper podcast? Yeah, all right. At some point. Yeah, we'll do it. Uh, Kevin Vaughan asks, would you rather be attacked by one Calvin Johnson-sized Darren Sproles or two Darren Sproles-sized Calvin Johnsons? I think I've got more of a chance against one person than two. Sproles is actually pretty beefy as well. Yeah. Um, and Calvin Johnson's a re- uh, he's a real baller as well, isn't he? He's a slender guy. Yeah. Oh, you'll be fine. Uh, I think that rounds us off. Ollie. Well, uh, this Alex says, talking of wild, ever visited a Buffalo Wild Wings? No. Are there wings that really are... Are there wings... Uh, they're spelt wrong. Really, wa- that wild. <laughs> right, we're stopping with this tweet anyway because they spelt their wrong. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I've not been there. So no, I don't Alex, know. I don't want to be dismissive. You're a lovely man, I imagine, or woman. I don't know which Alex it is. There's a few Alexes that tweet us. Um, but this um, is a dude, I think. Overall, I say um, I've not been to one, so it doesn't matter. Ollie, any final thoughts? 
Will Dak handle the pressure? Can Packers stop Elliott? Is Matt Ryan going to have a field day against the Seahawks? Well, Russ, we will tell you in the preview show later on this week. That felt like the end of one of those old episodes of Batman where they have him like <laughs> yeah. dangling above a shark tank and they're like, will Batman be able to escape? Will he be able to stop the Penguins' dastardly plan? Will uh, Will Gavin stop doing this stupid voice for the rest of his life? Probably not. Uh, at Gridiron on Twitter. Check out Touchdown Trips and go and register for our trip because we told you about it earlier in the show and it's going to be amazing. Uh, Ollie, this time truly, any final thoughts? No. In which case, thank you for listening. Have something to play me out ready, Ollie. This has been The Gridiron Show. trolley with your favourite brands on rollback at Asda. A 38-pack of Fairy Non-Bio Capsules was £8.50, now £5.75. And Lenore Gold Fabric Conditioner was £4, now £2.50. Big brands, small prices. Don't compromise. Asda. Save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Lenore, 1.925 litres. Ends 18th of March. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.